welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker. I'm a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois, and I'm also a licensed clinical professional counselor of a private practice in Wicker Park, but right now I am seeing my clients um, via video sessions. Um, I'm really excited for today. I have Sullivan Davis going to be joining us in just a, a minute here um, from the hideout. I'm really excited to talk to him and see you know, how he's been doing, how the hideout's been doing, and kind of get into that a little bit. Um, I'll just talk about the show for a minute. Music Therapy is a show that I started at the, kind of towards the beginning of the quarantine because I wanted to, you know, offer something to the community and combining my music and my uh, mental health counselor experience I thought was the best thing that I could offer people to kind of raise awareness, create a space for people to uh, talk and listen to each other's experiences. So that's what Music Therapy is all about. If you want to watch past episodes, you can go a few places, IGTV has my past episodes, YouTube, and it's also a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and other uh, podcast um, streaming sites. Um, so please go check out some past episodes. This is actually episode number 38, so there's, there's quite a few of them so far. Um, and uh, please stick around after the interview. I'm going to be playing a song to kind of close things out. I've been doing these every Saturday. Um, I started out at a quicker pace, but I've needed to slow down a little bit. So. Um, yeah, I'll just jump right to it. Let's get uh, Sully online. Sully, can you uh, request to join? Hey, everybody. Thanks for signing in. Sully's just going to uh, request to join here, and then we'll talk to him. Here we go. We're just waiting for him to connect. Hi. Hey, Jessica. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. How, how, it's nice to see you too. How's your day going today? Uh, today's been all right. We uh, we went. There's a there's a bakery nearby, uh, pan artisanal, and uh, the, the the pastries there are kind of like uh, really indulgent. Uh -huh. um, and uh, we had too many of those, so I'd say it's, <laughs> it's going okay today. <laughs> okay, good. That sounds like a good yeah. start. Where are like what area are you in? Uh, we live in Humboldt. The pan artisanal is kind of like uh, on the uh, like a little bit west on Fullerton from Logan Square. So okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, how? I mean, I guess I kind of I know that I feel like we have a lot that we could kind of cover today. So I guess I want to hop right in. Can you? Can we start off by you sharing with the viewers and listeners? You know. The Hideout is, for anybody who doesn't know, is a is a really established venue in Chicago, music venue, but also has comedy and other events that go on there. And it's been around for a long time. What's the capacity of the Hideout? Uh, 150. 150? Yeah. And what is your role at the Hideout? I do the, the programming at the Hideout. So kind of like everything that um, that's front facing for the Hideout is uh, is kind of my purview. So like all of the press, all of the booking, um, uh, the way that the back room sounds, all of that is kind of like my job. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's a few angles that I want to look at today. Um, but I want to look at kind of how you've been doing personally, but obviously that's very tied in with how the hideout is doing in many ways. So yeah. maybe we'll start out with, you know, what, what are things looking for you in the hideout? What are they looking like these days? Um, I mean, 
I think like at first it was really hard to kind of uh, uh, it, to kind of feel like the hideout had much of a purpose in in a time, you know. Besides like besides like telling people to stay home, like uh, the hideout was kind of like a home for like artists and community. And like, and that was, that's our whole thing is to try to be that for people. Um, and so when, uh, when we kind of lost the, the place, it was really hard to kind of figure out how to, um, like how to keep community in that sense, or like how to keep, uh, uh, just how to keep in touch, um, and like still provide for artists and our employees and all of that. Um, and so like, we like before we started doing online programming it like uh it was it was a lot of like it was a lot of uh <laughs> there's a lot of doomsday talk like all of all of the discussions that we had were just like okay like how are we going to open well we have no idea when or how we're going to open so why are we making plans to open it was just like very circular like conversation yeah. that we'd have over and over again that was really frustrating and like being able to like focus on making, doing programming uh, and like still being able to connect to people, like I think really kind of like helped uh, like management and staff and all of the people that we work with to kind of like focus on, on what we could control in the moment. And that was just like making something. So, so yeah, like. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, oh, so, so the, the hideout's doing well in that sense. Um, financially, it's doing pretty well too. Like, we luckily have a really strong community who continues to support us. So, mm -hmm. like the like the immediate future doesn't seem uh, that terrible. It's just like there is like the looming like how long can we how long can we keep this up? That's like a, that seems a little bit distant, but it's looming for sure. So, when you are thinking of the immediate future, like what what kind of timeline is that? immediate future looks like what yeah um i mean it, it used to mean like a few weeks at a time you know uh -huh. like it was like we don't really like i wasn't really planning for anything more than like two or three weeks down the road uh -huh. and um we just recently had to like kind of think about the hideout and its longevity um uh and how it can like how it can reestablish itself in the long term so like short term in my mind is like three, four months, you know, like short term, but then we're, we're thinking about how we can set up systems to kind of like, to kind of keep producing stuff like six months down the line or further. We just, it's, it's hard for us to know exactly like what things look like, but now we definitely know that we can't start up again for a while. Yeah. It definitely feels like there's certain benchmarks we're looking towards, like the end of the year is one, next summer tends to be another one, I feel. It's just like, what's gonna be going on next summer since we kind of lost the summer in a way. It sounds yeah. like you guys are thinking about at least towards the end of the year, but then also thinking about beyond that, like what that's gonna feel like as well. Yeah, Did definitely. you guys, I'm sorry, I, sorry, go ahead. There's a little bit of a delay sometimes, I think, so I don't mean to cut you oh, off. Oh, I was just agreeing with you, yeah. yeah. I talked to Cole, uh, of Kohl's the other day and he talked about the experience of like you know they could open for a few weeks there and then they had to shut down again did the hideout go through that no uh, that's actually been like one of the things that 
has been really nice. And I think that because we've had such good support for the hideout and the employees, um, that we don't have the same, uh, uh, the same sort of like need um, uh, that a small business like Kohl's has to start up and like and try to resume business as normal because we're trying to find other ways of kind of like creating income. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a place like Kohl's doesn't necessarily have this the same options, mm-hmm. um, and we also, you know. We, we're a very established business in the sense that like next year will be the 25th year of the, of the business. And, uh, and, uh, always the owners are always really conservative and we're never looking to like really like grow too much outside of the space. So they were never doing anything that was super risky. And so like we were in like a really good spot where we don't like, we don't have to make the same decisions that I feel like a lot of other businesses need to do. So the idea of reopening hasn't really been like on the table, which has been nice. It's been like, we can't reopen. And there hasn't been a discussion except to be like, we're not, we're not reopening right now. So So that really forces you guys to think about, to not consider that as an option, but to think about, okay, we're not reopening. That's a given. So how do we connect another way? So what are the other ways that the hideout has been, you know, working to connect and, and maintain the community? Yeah. I mean, we're like, we're relying on, uh, on a few different ways. One is like, uh, there's like the front facing side of the hideout that you see a lot, which is like, we're still trying to do bingo every Wednesday, you know, which like has like a really great, like return, like, uh, return community that comes in and plays bingo every week. Um, we still have shows where we're like, where I have the, like, I get to like call up people and be like, hey, do you want to do something? And then like try to figure out a way for it to work for everyone to be able to like engage. And it's been really fun to connect with people like in the way, cause like for me, the only way that I really got to socialize with people was at shows is just, yeah. you know, I don't, I didn't really have a lot of free time. And so to like be able to set up a show and at least like, like know that like eight or nine people that I know are in the chat room, just like as excited as I am about something has been Mm -hmm. like really nice in that sense. And I see it for a lot of things that like, aren't necessarily my friends, but are like, are are the community members from the hideout being able to connect in that same way and just getting a lot of value out of, out of, you know, the things that we mutually like came together for in the past, so. When you say the chat room, like what medium are you using? Uh, we've had to jump around a bunch. We were on Twitch for a while and then, uh, our, uh, our staff and artists and fans kind of pointed out that like Amazon was not a good partner, uh, for us, uh, during the pandemic and we agreed. And so we jumped to Mixer, which was a Microsoft owned company and then Mixer kind of went away. So right now we're on Facebook, um, but we're about to change again um, on uh, on Wednesday. There'll be like a big announcement for like a new sort of like long-term like uh, home for online programming. So, okay. Yeah. Are you, and are you guys playing with, you know, streaming shows where people like buy a ticket? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still do. We like co-sponsor uh, some shows right now that do that. Uh, we buy a ticket ahead of time. 
we've been relying on donations, uh, which is, you know, kind of like this, which was kind of a tool that we used when we first started streaming because it was hard to say that like we can deliver a, 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 a good show at the value that, you know, that you'd think that you'd be paying for, right? Because mm -hmm. like, I feel like at the beginning it was really hard for people to understand like how to put value to live streaming because that wasn't something that was necessarily like valued a lot. Because, um, you know, anybody can turn on YouTube and watching a live concert. Um, there was a bunch of live streaming happening on Instagram and it's just like this, it's just like, it, it's hard to be like, oh yeah, like I see myself paying $5 for something that I can have access to or that I've had access to forever. So, um, so we relied on donations and, you know, like the, the, immediacy, the immediacy of being able to connect with the community really kind of uh, uh, worked because uh, from our end, because, you know, we saw that financially it made sense for artists to kind of engage or like the level of artists that we were asking to engage um, in this platform and, and, and like, and come out of it sort of taking away what they would have at the hideout or close to it. So it, it ended up working out really well in that sense and for us. So, um, so yeah, like we kept it open, wanted to keep it accessible and we still want to keep things accessible, but um, uh, yeah, it was definitely all free and, and all just there for the community to kind of engage in. Live shows, obviously they have a certain feel that, you know, people miss and it's, it's impossible to recreate that when you're just watching something over streaming. But with the idea that like, you know, with limitations or with restrictions, sometimes new things can grow. Have you seen anything come out of streaming that, you know, is maybe something, a new way that people can present their music or their comedy or something that you can't do live or they're, or that uh, they're using the medium in a creative way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that that we uh, like we've been able to do. I do think that there's still a lot of value to live shows. Um, some people disagree with me. Um, there's still a lot of value to like live music music shows happening, even if they're being streamed from somebody's like house or from their backyard or something like that. Like these sort of like lesser versions of what we think of as live concerts. Um, only because like uh, shows as we know are like, are about us gathering. They're not necessarily like always about seeing live performance. We're there because we value that. But the reason that we, that a lot of times the reason that we prefer it live is because we like gathering with, we like being around other people who also like take a lot of value from it. But we've also seen, uh, people really kind of take advantage of the medium and it's been fun to like work with work with artists who are like really excited about, okay, how can we do that? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, like one of the shows that I do with uh, my friends, Alex Grelly and, and Dorian Gehring is a show called uh, the Cosmic Country Show. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that was really fun. We did that something like really early on uh, Dorian like recorded like all the band members from their home and put it all together. It was just like re like really insane process of um, of getting of getting these like of getting everyone together and like creating something that couldn't happen if we like if we were all like at a show. Like it's all of these like edited bits with a bunch of video stuff and like 
like 19 different guests, which is like not something that you can possibly ever do uh -huh. uh, on a uh, on, on a stage because the, the tech would be insane. Um, and then uh, you have people like Alex Grelly who did his his own show, the Grelly Duvall show, where he reenacted bits from movies and had people from around the country like act out their roles, and they, it was cut in a way where like where like um, you couldn't tell that they were in different places. Um, and like was able to put together like essentially a feature um, because they had this idea of like creating a live show that could do that. And there's like, there's a bunch of other examples kind of like this of like Helltrap did it where they like, they were all hosting a show together through Zoom and then would uh, bring on like pieces that were made for the show, like sketches and stuff that were uh -huh. made for it. Um, yeah, you know, like things that don't work are like stand up doesn't work that well. Um, uh, just because, uh, you know, the idea of a joke is that you get into a room and you laugh with a bunch of other people, you know, yeah. and like, and uh, same for the performer where like they get in front of people and they, they're like, okay, good. I made a good joke. It made people laugh. I'm getting something out of it. Right. As soon as you, as soon as you put them in a vacuum, like, uh, 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 it's, it's so stressful, like just not to have the same feedback to not know whether or not what you're what you're doing is working because there's such a there's such an immediate like back and forth between an audience and the uh, the comedians that just kind of disappears. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, what was I going to say? Oh, there's another element too that I think you know when you switch to online, which I think a lot of people experience in dating as well online. But you know when you're at a show, you're sort of committed. Even if you get bored yeah. a little bit during someone's set, like you're there, it's not easy to just peace out and, and take off, but it's so easy to, for people to kind of click in and off of a stream and just kind of peek in and then leave. And you're not really committed to the experience as much as you are when you're there in person. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I really don't like, uh, um, that I really don't like, like seeing like music shows or shows that like, that like, require attention necessarily like um on on platforms where you where there's a lot of other things that are meant to be coming at you at the same time right um where there's a lot of distractions uh one of the reasons that i liked twitch when we were using it in mixer is because like it, you at least had to go to like a, a, a separate place where you like most people who were into music don't aren't familiar and don't have the same sort of like uh uh um, uh, same sort of emphasis to like go and find something else on that same platform you know they like uh -huh. they they really just kind of there for the show and that was like always one of the things about the hideout you know it's like kind of, uh once you get there like you kind of have to uh you you, you kind of have to be there for the show yeah so. there's also i think on twitch um one of the fun things about forums like that is is the chat room because yeah. you have a sense of like just making jokes with people and that you get a sense of hanging out. Whereas on this, you know, I like, I like Instagram live cause it's easy and people can join, but it's not much of a, uh, community kind of involvement without the chat room. I like, I do like that. That was fun. Yeah. It, wasn't it, is, funny, but. it is nice. I feel like there's definitely like a culture like in, in Twitch where you're removed uh, more from like the people interacting on the screen, whereas like Instagram, like the chat is, is about like interacting with the people that you're watching, yeah. you know? Um, and so like, there's definitely like, there's positives and negatives.
sorry. I have the <laughs> I have the hideout phone linked to my phone, so I get oh, a lot of calls okay. numbers that I don't know. Um, uh, but um, it's been really weird navigating kind of like uh, all these different platforms and figuring out like like what works on some and what works on others, um, you know, and trying to create content that content that like that works for the medium that we're presenting it on, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah. Is and also, hideout? oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, just on your point with the, like the the paid ticket thing. Um, that's that's like another thing that like uh, um, you know you, you don't really think about until you're you stop paying for tickets it's like oh yeah I didn't like I didn't commit to this even at like a monetary level uh, yeah. like monetary yeah. level so like so it's very easy to like just be like oh I don't need to see that like mm -hmm. to like commit to even like seeing the show like um, when it happens so like a live stream you know uh it, it it can become like a very passive thing and like you don't have the guilt from like being like oh i have to meet up with all my friends at that thing they're all going to be talking about it the next day you know yeah. like how am i how am i supposed to like how am i supposed to feel like i'm with that group if it's, it's much easier to kind of ignore it too in that same sense yeah it really highlights how much of a community experience this live music especially is yeah um are is the hideout is there you know, with with uh, multiple venues around Chicago, is there a? Do you guys talk with other venue owners, or do you look to other venues and see what they're doing? Is is there any community there? Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things that's been interesting. Uh, so like I've I've been talking a lot more about like my experience, which is in like the things that I'm kind of in charge of, which are like the the front facing part of the, the hideout stuff. But I'm still involved in a lot of the stuff that we're doing internally and to just kind of like um, uh, uh, collective, collectively with like other um, venues to kind of like figure out how to survive this pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so like NEVA, the National Independent Venue Association, hideout is super involved in. Um, uh, I'm on those calls with all the, the venue owners every every week trying to figure out like uh, uh lobbying efforts and stuff like that it gets really weird and really gross and like not a thing that i, I love um like lobbying is not necessarily a thing that i ever want to be a part of but i find myself involved in because uh, venues are sort of like collectively like working on stuff so i find myself working a lot more with kyle at sleeping village than i would have otherwise um i find myself like uh uh, communicating with like Lincoln Hall and Shuba is more than I would have, um, and knowing a lot more of these these people, um, Donnie Biggins over at Tonic Room, and just like, just like, talking to them like more directly about the stuff that we're working on together, for Civil, the Chicago Independent Venue League, or at Neva on like a national level, on kind of like, okay, how can we all hold on to each other to make sure that we're still around um, when this thing comes back. Which you know, there's like, there's like positives and negatives to like to 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 venues like, uh, uh, like surviving something that they're, maybe they're not supposed to, right? Um, um, but I think that we all want to see like our music institutions stick around, like from an artist perspective and from like a consumer perspective. I think we all want to see our institutions stick around, but like, 
I think it I think it should be said that like live music will exist whether or not the hideout exists. You know, it's just like a hideout is like for me the the hideout is like a very good um, uh, uh, place and like a very good model for like how to do like how to do live music, like how to make it uh, uh, good for everyone right now. So. Yeah. Um, one thing that you had mentioned, you know, when I had reached out before our conversation is I had really appreciated this before, but you had talked about the agent side of things and how like agents and talent agents and I don't know, managers are, you know, are being impacted by all this. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that happened very quickly was, uh, uh, Paradigm kind of laid off most of their staff, um, uh, which uh, Paradigm is like a big booking agency and kind of had a lot of power, like it had eaten up a lot of independent booking agencies around the country. Is that a Chicago-based um, agency? So Paradigm is not Chicago-based. It has a big office in Chicago because it bought Windish, which was a fairly large um, uh uh, booking agency, but then it was absorbed into Paradigm, which was like even larger. Um, and Windish had even bought up a lot of independence beforehand. So like one of the first thing that happens is like a lot of those agents were like big agents too. Like Andrew Bird's agent was even uh, let go from uh, the, the agency. Um, uh, uh, happened right away, but also like from like a just like their job perspective, agents kind of had to, um, agents' jobs became booking and rebooking shows over and over again, right? So like, um, I had a friend for ground control uh, and I was talking to her and she's like, yeah, I have this one band and I've booked the same tour. This was in April that I talked to her. She's like, I have one band, I've rebooked their tour three times. And this was in April, so within a month, she had rebooked and rerouted like, you know, 24 stops, negotiated deals um, yeah. and confirmed shows three different times, you know, for this one band. And yeah. she has a she has a roster of like 12 bands, you know, who all have who all are active, who are all like had records that were supposed to come out that year had. So it was just like from like an agent side, like I feel the worst, the worst about them because you know, they're the only they're only deliverable, their only sort of thing that they have to give uh, to their clients is the fact that they can book shows and there there are no venues that can that can do that right now. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them are learning that they can do online shows, which has been which has been great because models are now starting to get to a point where like there's a way for them to be profitable for everyone and not necessarily just for like uh, like single performers at their houses so uh -huh. um but yeah like agents i feel the worst about for sure you know just thinking about your perspective and how many artists and agents that you work with i mean I'm trying to think about how to what exactly i'm trying to ask here i guess i'm you know what have you are you still in contact with a lot of artists or agents are you i guess i i'm curious of your impression on how your more bird's eye view of musicians, you know, how musicians are doing or coping, or if you're even in contact with people since it's kind of a different now. 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm in a really lucky position with the hideout because it is a small venue with a, with a, with a good reputation in that, like, I get to talk to a lot of, a lot of agents and like national touring bands and they come through every once in a while. But the hideouts real bread and butter has always been the local stuff and like talking to smaller artists. So uh, I, I do feel like I, I know, I know both fairly well. Um, and one of the things that like the hideout did when it closed and had to focus on trying to bring people in for online programming was just kind of like rely on those locals that it has for a long time. So you saw people like Robbie Folks and John Langford and um, like these old relationships, like the relationship with Joan Shelley even for the hideout is something that's super old because it like goes back to Nathan Salzberg and uh and jim elkington and uh 11 dream day like it just like the 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 history of like working with those people goes back so far um uh and and you know one of the things that we saw too with relying on those people was like um it's like not only what is what did it feel like more of a thing where like yeah we're in this together but it was also like a um like like being being able to work with somebody that you're familiar with and like and like working on a project like in a time when you didn't have didn't think you would have projects was like mm -hmm. interesting in that sense how how are just looking at i made a couple notes before um yeah oh yeah one of the things you said is a community and what and how people are still making things. What, what does you have in mind when you had mentioned that? Um, well, I guess like, uh, like it was, it comes back to that idea of like music kind of exists, whether or not it has like, or in art like exists, whether or not we have like a good place to show it. Um, like there's been, um, I've just been like kind of amazed at how how creative people have gotten, you know, and it kind of like, it kind of shows like, uh, like the ways in which a lot of people are creative, right? Cause so like you have your friends that like are doing live streams like every week, you know, and it's just like, yeah, this is like the thing that keeps me grounded is like being able to perform even if it's just this way. And then you have friends who do like, who, who take on like big elaborate projects and kind of, um, and kind of find themselves uh, uh, like suddenly having a bunch of new skills. Like uh, it's been fun. My uh, my girlfriend used to uh, work at a um, uh, in a pastry line um, for a fancy restaurant, and like um, you know, no restaurant, no fancy restaurants. Um, so she's been at home, and uh, you know, and has found like an outlet for what she like likes to do and that's like making cakes and has found a way to like be able to get it to other people and like find value in the thing that that she likes to do even though she didn't she doesn't necessarily have the the traditional way of of getting it to people the way that she would have looked for otherwise you know mm -hmm. so like the sort of resilience of people being creative right now and and figuring out like and figuring out how to uh, apply the skills that they've always had um, has been really has been really inspiring right now, and I think that we're going to come out of this with a lot 
of good things from from people's resiliency, not necessarily like from all of this loss, but just like because you know people still make things uh, even if they don't like have an institution to make it for. What about you? How have you been doing during all this? Uh, I've been okay, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, when I when I have a direction, I, I feel a lot better than when I don't. Um, uh, like um, when I feel like I have control over um, uh, a project, or like can see like an like an like an end to the tunnel and like kind of like small projects to accomplish, I feel really good. So like having the Cosmic Country show has been really nice. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, like uh, having the hideout online has been really nice. And it's been like, uh, as far as like creative programming, it's been really, it's been a really good outlet to kind of like explore ideas and um, in that sense. But you know, when I don't have those things, it's been really hard. It's also been really hard because, you know, like I said, like I'm so used to, um, to seeing people at shows and that's kind of the only way that I used to socialize. And so trying to keep in touch with people like calling them or texting them or, uh, and that sort of thing, you know, like I'm relative, I feel relatively alienated because that wasn't like a relationship that I had before going into right. all of this. Right. So, yeah. Are you, you know, are you as busy as you were before? What are your, what's your day to day feel like? Um, I, <laughs> uh, my girlfriend would probably give you a better, a better answer. I feel very busy. Um, I like working. Uh, I don't like, I don't like having free time too often. Um, uh, and, um, but yeah, I'm definitely still busy and there's definitely, I definitely still feel like I have like a lot of responsibilities towards other people right now, even if like, they seem a little frivolous, like, you know, just being on a computer at the same time as somebody else's so that they can stream their show. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, um, uh, yeah, like, I'm still very busy. Um, I probably work, like, I, I probably work it as much or maybe a little less than I used to. I used to get to see my girlfriend a lot, which is nice. Uh -huh. We didn't really have a lot of time before this to, like, hang out. Um, but the, when I'm working, uh, uh, it can be like, um, because I don't have the same structure that I did in my old job, yeah. right. Which was like, here's the show, here's the date, here's how everything kind of works. Um, like I find that like working is a little bit more frustrating in that sense where it's like making, like making four at four times the, four times the asks and like four times the ideas put into something. Uh, before I see, uh, before I see a, uh, um, a finished product or before I see like a show booked, you know, it's like, uh, you ask, it's like a, when it used to be like a three to one ratio of asking people and like getting an answer, it's more like a 12 to one ratio now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it, it, you know, you kind of have to work with where people are at, like how they feel and like and like what the what the what the project looks like for them and like what value they get out of it and all that has to align and it's it's very um like when you're running a venue in like a structure that people understand it's a lot easier to for people to be like yeah yes i want to do that or no i don't want to play a show but when you're doing it online there's a lot more questions 
and a lot less structure that people uh -huh. understand after like like every show is sort of case by case you know like every show it's like what do you have at home to record do you feel comfortable recording yourself or do you need somebody else there to record it like there's just a lot more questions that you have to a lot more steps that you have to ask because everything has to be kind of tailored tailored for every single event that happens right yeah so it's like, it's, I'm, I'm still just as busy it's uh, it's a lot more work and it's a lot it's a lot more tedious and it's a lot more frustrating <laughs> um so you're staying busy is there anything else that you do that you could share with the viewers or listeners that helps you to you know cope with all of this this change and uncertainty um let's see uh <laughs> Uh, we've, uh, a girlfriend and I have started, uh, doing really dumb, dumb sort of, uh, uh, trips. Like we went to the, um, I, I recommend everyone kind of going down to the, uh, the, the leaning tower of Niles, <laughs> uh, just to kind of see it and take goofy pictures with it. Um, you know, uh, I recommend, uh, uh, I mean, I've like gotten a lot out of like having longer conversations with people that I wouldn't necessarily have had, you know, yeah. like, um, but also like, I know I, I cook a lot more. I do like, I do a lot, I do a lot more things than I would have otherwise. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just like I'm trying to get out of the house to do stupid stuff, even if it's just to see the Leaning Tower of Nile. <laughs> like I don't necessarily have time to go camping every weekend and get back and still do the work that I need to do. Um, but I have, I have time to do that, you know, yeah. I have time to still try something new, um, uh, which is like newness is just like such a refreshing thing right now, you know, like meeting new people, yeah. even if through Skype, like doesn't really happen. Uh, um, seeing new things doesn't really happen too often, but uh, finding, finding like ways to fit newness into into my uh, routine has been really has been the best best part. Like I get the most out of it. That yeah, way. yeah. I have I have one more question for you, and this is a very Chicago centric question. Um, mm -hmm. I talked with a couple weeks ago. I talked with Britt Julius, who is among among many things, she's a journalist, a music journalist for the Tribune. She's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it was a really good interview, and. Um, you know, she she and I talked about the the quote Chicago music scene and how it's actually like it, there's not one cohesive scene. It's kind of fragmented. It's pretty big, um, yeah. and that was an interesting conversation. But she did talk about how you know when she hears music from Chicago, despite the fragmentation, that it has something that she feels is special. That she said there's a kind of she's the word warmth. She was trying to find the words, but I guess I'm wondering from your perspective, somebody who works and sees a lot of acts come through from all over the country, um, but also a lot of Chicago, is there something that you feel makes Chicago music Chicago or unique, or does it have something to it in your mind or, or no? Is it all just kind of? Um, I think that uh, Chicago, I saw an interesting tweet about Chicago recently, which, which was just like, Okay, I know my big cities. New York is uh, is Wall Street. Uh, LA is Hollywood. But what the fuck is uh, is Chicago? <laughs> like, it's just like it's a big town with a lot of people in it, with a lot of people who do things for other people in that town. You know, mm -hmm. like that's what Chicago is. Um, 
And I feel like because there's like a lot of people who don't have to, or who, who don't necessarily, in order to be a musician in Chicago, don't have to like uh, uh, necessarily play to like a national level. But like, like I feel like has happens in New York a lot or in LA. Um, uh, I feel like you get like a very, like a, a still very earnest sort of music scene in that sense. Um, uh, where it's just like, oh, we want to write good songs because we want to write good songs. Um, and, uh, and like, and also like a very, like, um, it, it's interesting that it, it's interesting to think that, um, the Chicago music scene seems fragmented. Well, I agree in a certain sense. I also see like so much cross pollinization, um, uh, in, in the Chicago scene. Uh, just like thinking about like how many jazz musicians play um, with rock music and how many like improv people play and like the crossover from even like noise into other things. Like I, th I see a lot of that, but that just oh. made you be, I'm at the, at a venue every night seeing, you know, people crossing over all the time. Um, uh, so, I, but, um, but like in that sense, I feel like there's, there's like a, a decent amount of openness to like, uh, uh, to like, um, like trying to explore like different genres within what you're working with, right? So like, when I think about like genres that like really come from uh, uh, Chicago right now, I'm thinking like there's a lot of soul jazz that comes from Chicago. There's a lot of folk, but there's like a lot of folk that like really like kind of leans into the experimental scene. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's country stuff, but like, uh, um, but like, it gets like, uh, <laughs> it, it just kind of like, it's all over the place. There's not like one sort of like, uh, uh, it doesn't seem like there's like, there's like a real fragment. It, it feels like very, very much like people are kind of like bouncing all around all the time. And there's like a bunch of like little groups, right? Like, like I definitely know, like, if I go to the Whistler on a Tuesday night, who I'm going to see. Um, but I, I do think that like, there is, there is a decent amount of cross pollinization and openness to like people finding, to people finding new musicians and playing with them in a town that doesn't necessarily like have to be like, we are jazz and jazz is what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That actually aligns pretty closely with what she said. Um, okay. That's, that's really interesting to, to hear about. I like hearing from the, people who have that broader perspective. Um, I'm, it, I'm so glad, I'm just so happy to see you and to talk to you and really appreciate your yeah. talking and being on the show. Um, yeah. So, you know, those were, those were my main questions. Is there anything else that you wanted? Oh, I, I did want to say, how can people support The Hideout? Oh, um, right now, I would encourage you to go to hideoutchicago.com slash relief. That's the staff relief fund. Um, and then, you know, uh, I think the best thing that you can do to support the hideout is to watch the shows um, and uh, donate and support the the artists that you like, you know. Um, I think that that's like, we split all of those donations 80-20. We're, we're pretty open about that. So um, we're definitely like constantly looking for, to get, um, to get money to artists that, um, perform on the platform um, and uh, it supports us too. So I would say just, you know, engage, engage with that stuff. It'll, it'll go miles.
Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Jessica. My pleasure. Uh, hope to, I hope I see you soon. Yeah, I see you soon. All right. I'm going to close out here with uh, a song. Thank you guys for watching. That was Sullivan Davis. That was a wonderful interview. Talked about the hideout and how the hideout's kind of coping with all of this and what they're doing and how they see moving forward, um, among other things. So it's going to be on IGTV. And I'm going to put it up on YouTube and on the podcast, which is on Spotify. Uh, that'll be up pretty soon, within a couple days. I'm going to finish with a song, as I always do. I didn't have time to practice one of my new ones, so I'm going to play an older song. And I appreciate you guys watching and supporting. Um, let's see here. Okay. In tune enough. Uh, this is I See You Among the Stars.
Thank you guys for watching. That was I See Among the Stars. That's from the album of the same name. Um, this is Music Therapy, and I'll be back next Saturday with another guest. Um, and all of these are going to be on YouTube and Spotify and iTunes and podcast. And if you miss any of it, um, I hope you guys are doing well, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.